turn tonight to Revelation chapter 4 and also chapter 5 because you can't separate the two really. So we'll put 4 and 5 together, hopefully get to the end of it. <laughs> um, the age of 17, as a young Christian, I was brought up, as it were, in a Baptist church. And in the Baptist church, I learned the phrase, a millennial, which means no millennial kingdom. And I went away and I read the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah clearly states there's a millennial kingdom. If you read Revelation, it clearly states there is a millennial kingdom. So what I'm getting at is the importance of comparing scripture with scripture in what people teach you. When we look at end times, there's a mass of scripture in here, in the minor prophets, the major prophets, the book of Revelation itself of end times. And putting them all together is a, a massive study. So we're going to be encouraged, hopefully, tonight as we start this long book of Revelation. And we're going to read from chapter 4. So we'll read the, the passage first. So chapter 4, verse 1. After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was it, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper, and a sardine stone, and there was a rainbow around the throne, in sight like an emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty thrones, and upon the thrones I saw four and twenty elders, sitting clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. That word beast in the ESV is living creatures. And the first living creature was like a lion and the second living creature like a calf and the third living creature had the face as of a man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, Holy, Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts gave glory and honour and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth for ever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worshipped him that liveth for ever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honour and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created." And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside, sealed with 
seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven, nor in earth, nor under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odours, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousands and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I say, Blessing and honour and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb for ever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth for ever and ever. Just let's have a, a word of prayer and then we'll commence our study. Father, we are so grateful that thou hast given a revelation of thy son and all that thou hast given unto him and his inheritance of creation and his right to redeem. And so we thank thee for this wonderful book and we understand that thou dost want us to understand this book and we've already spoke in prayer. We know the future and we are so privileged to know that future. And so we pray thy help as we go through these scriptures together. In the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Now right at the beginning of the Revelation, it has three divisions. Revelation has three clear divisions, which are spoken of. Which, when written to John, it said, Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which he had seen is the Son of Man and all the glory of his person. That was the things which he was seen. The things which are, 
are the seven churches, which we are in the church age, yes? Someday this church age will come to an end. And we've talked about the, we went through the revelation of the churches, and the last one is spewed out of the Lord's mouth. So that church age will come to an end. And it will come to an end with 1 Thessalonians 4, where the Lord shall come. Yes? The Lord will come. And the scripture says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven as a shout with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we be, ever be with the Lord. Comfort one another with these words. So when the rapture takes place, the whole church complete has gone into glory and it's represented by the 24 elders that we read about they're representing the church in glory so that the church is complete then so when we go further into revelation which further on we read of saints Jewish saints and we read of Gentile saints now those saints, to me, it's a simple analysis. The church is complete, it's finished. So the saints that we now find on earth are earthly saints and have earthly blessings. We are unique within the glory with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, again, the scripture says, of the Lord Jesus Christ, because it's a book of judgment. And it says in John chapter 5, The Father judgeth no man, verse 22, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honour the Son, even as they honour the Father. He that honoureth not the Son, honoureth not the Father which hath sent him. And verse 27 says, And he hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. So all judgment is committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. Which is wonderful, isn't it? Now the other thing is, we, we see terrible tribulation coming. And we do have the promise of scripture, the promise to all of us as Christians at the moment. It says, because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I will keep thee from the hour of temptation which shall come upon the whole world. To try them that dwell on the earth. That is a promise from the Lord that we will not go through these very trying times that we're going to read of like the seven seals and the, this, the seven balls of wrath at the end and the seven trumpets. All those terrible things that are coming upon the world that we'll read of as we go on in the book. We will not be going through any of that trauma. We have been spared from it. Now, I know you may argue 
People argue like, well, hang on, there's Christians today who go through tribulation. There's an awful lot of tribulation around, isn't there, in the world. Christians are getting martyred still in the world today. They're getting persecuted in the world today. But when Jesus speaks in, in Matthew chapter 24, he talks, he talks about these things, yes? And the illustrations of what's yet to come. You shall hear of wars, rumours of wars. Be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. We're seeing all that in type, aren't we, at the moment? In the world, Ukrainian war, earthquakes, devastations, floods, all these things we are seeing, what Jesus is speaking of here, all the beginning of sorrows. They will deliver you up to be afflicted, etc., etc. But what he says here, he says, these days are unprecedented, yes. So great will these bad times be that those days have to be shortened by the Lord. Otherwise, he said, nobody would be saved. So that puts it in a different context, doesn't it? There's never been such tribulation as what the Lord Jesus Christ is talking about as we go through Revelation. It's mega. So that's a good thing to, to take on board, isn't it? That, although we do see illustrations of these. Some people, uh, there's two ways of identifying the book of Revelation. One is it's a future, and to me it is all future. Uh, and the other one is historical. Some people see it historical, and they say that the seals mean something like uh, Constantine when he became a Christian. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense, does it? Others say they, when other th of the judgments are laid out that they, it's the Mohammedans who came, the Turkish, who came right to the gates of Vienna. Yeah? So they equate it to that. But there were great historical events, but they're not speaking of the book of Revelation in its future context. It's all future from now on, which is good. So, let's look at the chapter 4. The, the, the obvious thing of chapter 4, the centre of chapter 4, is the throne. Isn't it? We see this awesome throne of God. And it is a throne of judgment. And it, we know that because it says, Out of the throne proceeds lightnings, thunderings, and voices, and seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. This is an awesome throne, and it's the throne of judgments to come. We have other thrones in Scripture, don't we? For us Christians, we have this wonderful throne of grace that we can come boldly to to find help in time of need. Isn't that wonderful for us Christians? That's our comfort. We can come to a throne of grace. In Israel, when you think of the ark, and the, the mercy seat and the cherubim that overlaid the ark, that was known as God's throne. To Israel, it was his throne. Yes. And Psalm 80 says, God is enthroned between the cherubim. And Psalm 99 says the same thing. God is enthroned above 
the cherubim. So Israel had that awesome. And the, and the, the cherubim, they were, they were seen by the Jews as an awesome thing, wasn't it? Because they were, they were judgment, really. It was entwined in the, weaved into the curtain of the veil and things like that. They looked upon, they were guardians of the judgment of God. They looked upon the mercy seat. Yeah. They also looked on the blood of the mercy seat. And they could see that justice was done. But John says, And this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was a voice of a trumpet talking with me, Come up hither, I will show thee things which must be hereafter. That's great, isn't it? In spirit, John's gone into heaven, and he's been shown everything of the future that he has recorded. So that's for us as well. We can, by reading this book, we can understand everything about the future. And the Lord always speaks by a trumpet to John, doesn't it? It's strange, he's speaking with a trumpet. A trumpet's quite loud, isn't it? You can't mistake a trumpet noise as he's talking to him. So he says, come up here. So it might be a little picture, isn't it, of the rapture. We are caught up. The Lord will eventually say, come up into glory. And when the work is complete. And he says, Immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, the throne was set in heaven, one that sat on the throne. He that sat upon it was looked like jasper and sardine stone. These stones are interesting. The sardine stone is bright red and fiery. And the, the jasper is clear as crystal. These two stones are found in the breastplate of the great high priest the first and last stones of the breastplate. They're also found in the heavenly Jerusalem when we get to the end, in the foundations, in the walls, we find these precious stones in the foundation and things like that. So that's interesting, isn't it, that there's links to these precious stones elsewhere. And the red probably speaks of judgment, because red is fiery, isn't it, so probably judgment. And then there's this beautiful emerald rainbow around the throne. Now God made a covenant with creation, didn't he? That when the earth was destroyed by water, that he would no longer destroy the earth by water. And he put his bow in the sky. That was his covenant. And whenever he saw the bow, he would remember that covenant with creation. Now the bow is in heaven and the bow is emerald, green, a nice green. So we think that this is because Christ is thinking of his creation and all that's going to come upon his creation is going to be traumatic for creation as well. And that emerald rainbow is his thoughts towards creation during the time that these things are going on. And remember, the Bible says in Romans that the creation comes into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Which is wonderful at the end, isn't it, when Christ does that. Then we see the throne where four and twenty seats. Now that seats should be thrones. It's, it is thrones in ESV. Because we are kings and priests unto God. We sat on the throne and we have crowns 
So we're kingly, priestly, we can worship. We see worship as well as kingly. And we shall reign with Christ, obviously, in the millennial reign. So he saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment, which is the righteousness of the saints, on their heads crowns of gold. Kings and priests unto God. That's it. Some people see that as the 24 priests in the Old Testament. The priestly functions, the 24. Uh, Some see it as Old Testament saints and New Testament saints in the glory. And out of this throne proceeded lightnings, seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Difficult to understand that, isn't it? There's, There's seven lamps, seven is perfection, seven lamps burning, which speaks of judgment, seven spirits of God. Seven would speak of of divine discernment and activity seen in judgment. It's a sevenfold function of the Holy Spirit. Before the throne was a sea of glass. Now this one is very interesting, the sea of glass. In 2 Chronicles chapter 4, you've got Solomon who made uh, a brazen sea for the priest to wash in. Yes, the washing of the water. So the priest had a brazen sea. This is a sea of glass, of crystal. And it means fixed purity, holiness. Yes. Here at the moment, we pick up corruption, don't we? Every day of our lives as we live, we see things, we hear things. We're picking up contamination all the time. And we need the washing of the water of the word of God. We need that. When we're in heaven, we will no longer need the washing of the water. Because we've got fixed purity and holiness in the presence of God. In the midst of the throne, round about the throne, are these four living creatures. Now, the four living creatures are the cherubim. They get quite a, quite a little bit of mention, the cherubim. And there's the seraphim, which get mentioned in Isaiah 6, don't they, where the Isaiah saw the lords sitting high and mighty upon a throne, and his temple filled, his, his temple Train, his train, sorry, yes, filled the temple. Thank you. His train filled the temple. And Isaiah saw that. And John chapter 12 relates it. He saw the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the seraphim were there, yes. Some think the seraphim are a bit of a higher order than the cherubim. But they only mentioned once in Isaiah chapter 6. The cherubim are angelic creatures who are God's messages of judgment. They stood as representatives of God's righteousness and judgment. And I've mentioned they're on the mercy seat. And they have eyes, full eyes, full of eyes before and behind. They're seeing everything, yes. Remember, God is omniscient as well. He sees everything. They're representing the throne and they have attributes. They have these attributes. One like a lion, which speaks of power and of strength. The second is like a calf, which speaks of firmness. 
The third beast, the face of a man, which speaks of intelligence. And the fourth is a flying eagle, which speaks of rapidity in judgment. So these cherubim are supporting the throne of God with their attributes. And it says, the four beasts, the four living creatures, sorry, had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, holy, Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Similar to the seraphim, they do similar things, don't they? But, but different. And those living creatures give glory and honour and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever. And when the 24 elders heard that, they give glory and honour and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever. And they fall down to him that sat on the throne and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy to receive honour and power, for thou hast created all things. For thy pleasure they are and were created. So here they're worshipping the Lord in the context of he is the creator, creation is his and that's what they worship for. When we come to chapter 5, the right of creation is Christ. Yeah? When we come to chapter 5, the right of redemption is Christ. He has that right of redemption. So we come to chapter 5. I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written, with, written and on the back side sealed with seven seals. There's an illustration of this in Jeremiah 32 where the Babylonians have come to make war against Jerusalem. Things are bad, yes. The city's going to be taken by the Babylonians and you've got Jeremiah's uncle coming into him and say, I want you to buy the field, my field. Yes, the right of redemption is yours. I want you to buy the, the field. Now, it's in the midst of a war, isn't it? What's good, what you might think, what use is a field to Jeremiah in the midst of the war? But the Lord told him, go buy the field. Yes. And it was subscribed on a sealed contract and an open book. One was, two books, one sealed, one open. Yeah. Now, and all the contract of that negotiation is in that sealed document for posterity. Okay? And it was a great blessing to Jeremiah because he knew in the future, when things would get better on in the future, they're going to buy fields again. There'll be fields and there'll be prosperity uh, and the land will become, for him, profitable or for his ascendants. So this is the Lord's seal, yes? It's, it's sealed. It's the contract that the God has given him. It's his rights. And so he's the only one that can open the seals. He saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and look to the seals thereof? And there's a big pause because no one is worthy to open the seals. No one. All we're worthy of was death. But thankfully we've been redeemed, yes? 
And I wept much, John says, because there was no one found worthy to open the book. Then one of these elders, who represent the church in glory, said unto him, Weep not, behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, of the root of David, has prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. So he's seeing the, the, the lying of the tribe of Judah, yes? So he's expecting to turn around and see the lying of the tribe of Judah. But what does he see? He sees a little lamb as it had been slain. And he says, Behold, lo, in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, had it been slain, having seven horns. There's lots of symbols in Revelation, horn is a symbol of power and strength. Seven horns, seven eyes, which are seven spirits of God sent forth into the whole earth. So the lamb has seven horns, which is fullness of power. Seven eyes, discernment. And no part of the earth is not discerned by the Lord. And when he had taken the book from the four living creatures, the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of elders, which are the prayers of the saints. Wonderful things taking place, aren't they? They sung a new song, song of redemption. Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood, out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation, and made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. We shall. We shall reign with Christ in the millennial kingdom. And behold, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the living creatures, and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000, and thousands and thousands. That's a mass lot of people, isn't it? Worthy is the lamb that was slain. I love this sevenfold. You know, because there's lots of sevens in Revelation. This sevenfold praise. Worthy the lamb to receive power, riches, wisdom, strength, honour, glory and blessing. Sevenfold. And every creature which is in heaven, on earth, under the earth, and such are in the sea, all are in them, said, I say, blessing and honour and glory and power be to him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb for ever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth for ever and ever. It's wonderful, isn't it? We're kings and priests unto God. As priests, we worship him. Uh, as kings, we will reign with him upon the earth um, that is a wonderful thing for us to have isn't it as part of this thing so might have been a lot to take in yes <laughs> but there is a lot it's all about symbols this book we soon discover that symbol for everything yes we, we work out on symbols because symbols mean something as soon as you work out what the symbol means it sort of fits in if you can't work out what the symbol means, it's hard to fit in. <laughs> so you're just going to know what the symbols are. But there's two lovely hymns in this book. I just want to express in this glory of the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lamb. 
And I'll read you to them in the little flock. Because the, the, the thing is here that in the book of Revelation, the, the lamb is mentioned 28 times. And it's diminutive. It's the, not, well, it's a little lamb. It's talking about the Greek. It's talking about a little lamb. 28 times. One of those times it refers to the Antichrist. Because he has two horns like a lamb, but speaks like a dragon. So he is the Antichrist. But the rest of the 27 verses refer to the lamb. And we know that the lamb was slain, he was crucified, he suffered for us upon that cross. And 24, and the little fox says, His be the victor's name, who fought the fight alone. Triumphant saints know on acclaim, his conquest was their own. He has prevailed, overcome. By weakness and defeat, he won the mead and crown, trod all our foes beneath his feet by being trodden down. He, Satan's power, laid low, made sin, he sin or threw, bowed to the grave, destroyed its soul, and death by dying slow. Bless, bless the conqueror slain, slain in his victory, who lived, who died, who lives again, for thee, his church, for thee. There's another hymn, which is one of our favourites, 125. Behold the Lamb with glory crowned, to him all power is given. No place too high for him is found, no place too high in heaven. He fills the throne, the throne above, its rights to him belong. The object of his Father's love, the theme of the ransomed song. Though high, yet he accepts the praise his people offer here. The faintest, feeblest cry they raise will reach the Saviour's ears. This song be ours, and this alone, to celebrate the name of him that sits upon the throne, and to exalt the Lamb. To him whom men despised and slight, to him be glory given. The crown is his, and his by right, the highest place. In heaven. It's a wonderful description, isn't it, of the wonderful things we've read about our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb. Let's close in prayer. Our Father, we do thank thee we can give all praise and glory to our Lord Jesus Christ, all his magnificent glory that we see. We give thanks that all judgment is committed unto him. We know that at the end times there will be a great white throne and all those who are unbelievers who will be resurrected at the end of the millennium will find themselves before that great white throne of judgment and there's no way back from there. But we thank thee that what we read is all that the Father has given thee. And we thank thee the inheritance of creation is thine. And we thank thee for the right of redemption is thine. And we glory in these things, Lord Jesus, and we long to see this magnificent glory of thine face to face. And we ask thy blessing on thy word this evening. In his precious name, amen.